Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast presented by PointsBet. Use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Hello, everyone. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Sunday, October 2nd, and Brendan Wrigley Field, we have seen the last of her for the year. I know. Well, they gave a proper send-off, another sweep. Corey, the Cubs just don't lose anymore. Yes, the Cubs have won 11 of their last 12 games. Uh, they go 6-0 and during this final homestand. As Brendan said, they sweep the Cincinnati Reds to finish sweep, up yes. the Wrigley portion of the calendar. They will lose less than 90 games. Uh, you know, Brendan, not the hallmarks that we hope to be looking for, right? I'd rather be discussing whether they won 90 or 100 games, things like that. Uh, but, uh, you know, they're changing a lot of rules in Major League Baseball. How do we feel about, I feel like if this team had another, like, 60 games, yeah, if we could push this season to 220-something games. I've been saying that. I think this team is sneaking in. I think so. Well, you know, in the in the minors, they have like a playoff seed for like the first and second half. Corey, right. If you just consider the second half, yes. we're like, we're the best team in baseball. The second half Cubs. The second half Cubs. Manfred needs to consider this. They you know? they unify the sport. They do need to consider this. And I mean, yeah. you know, just picture it. It's Game Seven of the World Series. It's the Cubs and. Anthony Rizzo's Yankees and okay. Adrian dark, Sampson okay. on the mound for for the Cubs, and he yeah. pitches another quality start, which is all he's that, done for the last three months. Yeah. There you go. You know, seven a inning shutout, and then bring in Wisniewski for the for the you know World Series clinching save. There you go. So done. I might Look be a us. little late for the 2022 Cubs, but I, you know, I'm just saying it does feel like uh, a little more runway, right? Um, and this team, they've played very well. Brendan, and I know that uh, we've talked about that a lot. Nico had that that kind of lengthy quote about the importance of finishing on a strong note and showing what this this group is capable of. Um, I I think they've done that. I, this is a really nice end to an otherwise not so fun, you know, below I think the expectations we all have for this organization season. Uh, they've played really well here. You've had a lot of guys step up and and contribute to winning the fact that you know they're 73 and 86 after the the sweep on Sunday like that is 
at certain points of this season way better than I thought they oh, would yeah. be able to achieve. Well, you think after they trade, you know, half their bullpen away at the deadline that the record would get worse, that their pitching would get worse. It's been the opposite. Their their overall pitching year is around 3.5 in, in the second half. So this is a huge testament to the hard work by, you know, Hadevi, Jan Gomes behind the dish, the entire catching crew teaming up and, and strategizing, bringing guys up. So the Cubs deserve a lot of credit. And my hope is, everyone's hope is, that this type of game plan, this type of success carries over right away and you go on and win the division without any competition next year. Yeah, I I, I do want to, I think I maybe said this on the last episode, but I do kind of want to reiterate something when we're talking about how well they've played and a lot of the stuff that we're highlighting and, you know, the starting rotation ERA, things like that. Like, it is weird, and I don't know if you've seen this too, Brendan, like on social media. I mean, social media is a toxic mess uh, for the most part anyway, but like, there's just a lot of very cynical people who are like, oh, who cares that they're winning games? You know, who cares that the rotation is doing this? None of this matters, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it, it just is a very like weird and I think cynical way of, of viewing all of this, right? Like nobody's suggesting that they just run this roster back and they would win the division. Like when we're talking about lengthening the season to 200, like that's obviously a joke, right? Like this roster had a full season. Well, maybe this roster had a full season and there were times where it the holes and the cracks really showed, right? They lost double digits in a row multiple times. Yeah. So it's not to say that, but it, it's it's just to point out that over a significant sample of games in this second half, you have had a lot of guys that can, up to Jed Hoyer, can be a part of your roster next year in a supplementary way, I think for the most part, hopefully, right? They've contributed to winning at the major league level. And I, I'm just not sure what there is to be cynical about something like that, right? Nobody's saying that this group right now is capable of winning the World Series, but they're beating MLB teams. This Earlier this week, they beat a Philadelphia Phillies team that's holding on for dear life to a playoff spot and desperately needed to win games, and the Cubs handled them right? And you can look at this weekend and say, oh, it's the Reds, whatever. Well, guess what? In 2023, they're going to have to play the Reds. And having pitchers who can throw quality starts against major league talent, that matters. Having guys that are 23 years old in some cases, like Christopher Morell or some of the other young guys on this team, be able to come up and have big moments that lead to winning major league baseball games, uh, you don't have to extrapolate it into some greater thing, but I think it like just in a vacuum, like that's good, right? If you look at the way they're doing it too, it's not as if these guys are rentals and, and going away. Strowman's second half numbers, excluding that start, were over one war. His FIP and ERA were 2.92 and under 3.7, Corey, in the second half. Justin Steele, his fangrass war was one. Drew Smiley, who could be back next year, uh, one war as well. Adrian Sampson has one war. Hayden with Wisniewski in just five outings has half a win. Corey Alzali, 11 innings, almost half a win. So these guys, just those last two names alone, have only been up for less than a month. Right. So you're seeing the success and the wins be due to that pitching. You want those guys to succeed. And there is a validated component to this. Psychologically, I think that 
you get rewarded with wins when you perform well. It's good to win games. Yes. So it's not it's not meaningless. Right. They're doing this in a way that will translate to next year in terms of the actual personnel. This and you're hearing like guys like Nico talk about it and Jed Hoyer talk about it. So I I I understand the sentiment of wanting to improve, but there could have been a lot of complaints about Strowman not finishing the second half well because right, right. he was getting kind of criticized during the first half, and he performed extremely well in the second half, Corey. Well, and you look across the league, right? Like you want to look at like go look at some of the teams that are at the absolute bottom. They can't string together stuff like this because the yeah. talent isn't there, right? Like some of the worst teams in the league cannot kind of reverse course you know in the second half the way that the Cubs did to the degree that they did because they stink and their players stink and that's not what happened for the Cubs and I think that matters so I think you you said it best it's like this isn't meaningless you don't need to extrapolate it into something like crazy because they they have a lot of work to do in this offseason I think a lot of us you and you know me and you included Brendan expect them to do it they have they have to do it and I I do think they're going to but I don't know it just there there was a weird you know there's always like a weird sub segment of people that like to uh kind of you know wet blanket certain things and it's like yeah this team's not going to win the world series without a lot of work but this is all good stuff. The, like the the net here is good, and like you look at the vibes like around this team this weekend, there is a, a sort of energy about them that does have that feel of like you know turning the page to something exciting, right? Like that was the feeling yeah. being at the games this weekend and the younger guys performing, them winning games. It has that feel of like okay, we're ready for that next step. We look to you, Tom and Jed, but like, we're ready for it. The team feels ready for it. The organization feels ready for it. Um, we, we have some, there, there was a lot going on this weekend. Uh, so we'll get to the, at, you know, box scores and series recaps. Uh, but I do want to continue kind of on some of the stuff that was going on this weekend. And, you know, kind of to that point, Brendan, about they have work to do and I expect them to do it. An interesting note uh, that we saw, and I'm, I'm getting this from Megan Montemuro of the Chicago Tribune, uh, 2,600,000-ish fans at Wrigley Field this season. Now, in a vacuum, maybe not a, a number that registers to you, but what is important is that it is the lowest home total for the Chicago Cubs since 1997. Brendan, I know people are cynical about the rickets and spending and all of that. There is plenty of audio from myself and Dr. Brendan Miller here. Uh, Our thoughts on that are very clear, right? And when the Cubs should be spending, which is always, right? Here's what I'm going to tell you. Believe me or don't, this matters to them. It absolutely matters to them. Any business person, any business owner would look at this. They know that if the team is good, that number is going to be over $3 million, right? It's It can be much higher. There is money being left on the table. I think, right, that they would like to have that money that is left on the table. You would, you would think so. Yes. So I do think that matters. I I know some people wanted the ballpark like empty, right, until they but that was never going to happen. There was a significant hit though, right? I mean, you look since 1997, there were some way worse teams than this since 1997. Mm-hmm. Like the, there there was somewhat of a statement made by the fans 
and once we you know get to like November-ish, we'll find out if that statement was received. But I, I do think that matters. If we look at the TV ratings as well, this was back during the summer, but Marquee's numbers were down by about 20%, I believe in July from this same period in 2021. That 20% is a massive hit, especially when the comparison is 2021 when the team wasn't uh, aspiring for a World Series championship. So the overall numbers could be, you know, a net gain of 30 to 40% more viewers next season if they put out a serious contender. So you have the TV money aspect of that that translates to advertisement revenue. Then you have the gate revenue as well, the merchandise of signing new guys. And it's right there. They only have around $125 million committed next season, which is about $110 million below the luxury tax threshold. They have so much flexibility and they have such a strong foundation in their depth that they can add upon it makes so much sense it's almost too stupid to not add to this team Corey yeah that would be uh my sentiment as well um I I also think this weekend kind of continuing along these lines I think this weekend was a good example uh if you are a a free agent you know Nico spoke to playing well and how that appeals to players wanting to join a new team, move their family to a new city and stuff like that. You know, you want to join, usually, uh, if you have the option, a a group that's playing well and going to be fun to be a part of. Um, But what a showing from our our fellow faithful at Wrigley Field this weekend on on, on multiple occasions. Um, Firstly, uh, Jason Hayward, sharing a, a farewell address that they played at Wrigley, and then he got to take a curtain call out of the dugout, uh, received uh, a lengthy standing ovation. They played it again on Sunday. He didn't come out uh, again, but a large applause as soon as the video started. Then you look at Wilson Contreras, who received multiple deser- well-deserved standing ovations, uh, but also, like, you know, you just see it, right? When when he's lifted for the pinch runner uh, after getting on base in his final plate appearance at Wrigley Field for now as a Cub, we'll see how that all plays out, immediately the whole crowd standing up, right? They know what's going on. They're, they're appreciative of everything that he's put in. This is not stuff that needs to be explained to people, right? Uh, then the team coming out, you know, singing Go Cubs Go with the fans, everybody sticking around after the game. And, you know, as I said, this is for a team that's 13 games under 500, right? They've been out of the playoff race for weeks now. Like, officially, they've been out of the playoff race for longer than that. Um, But I, I, you know, I went to my, I mean, it's everybody's last game of the year, but my last game of the year on Sunday afternoon. And, it, it just, I think, this whole weekend felt like a master class in why we all think Cubs fans are so great and why you hear so many quotes from the players. And, you know, they had a lot of the young guys. They had some prospects there. I know Matt Mervis was there. PCA was there this weekend. Brendan Davis was there this weekend. Um, but you also heard that there was a good quote I'm reading from Jordan Bastian of MLB.com uh, from Hayden Wisniewski talking about how surreal the response was from Cubs fans for Hayward and Contreras in particular this weekend. Uh, and he said, quote, 
it's something that you dream of. That's actually something I dream of. It's not just making your big league debut. All the days in between that you don't think about, they're part of it. They're hard. They're not easy. Wilson's had bad days. Jay Hayes had bad days, but there's also good days. Me and Javier Assad were joking about it. One day we hope to have that. And just noting that those, you know, seeing the response for those two players this weekend showed him how much the fans care, not just about winning, but also all of the the stuff that goes into winning and that each of these players contributed. Just uh, like I said, the, the vibes, you know, it, it feels like we're, we're building towards something, Brendan, and I think that was on full display this weekend. Well, you heard too, Nico, a few weeks ago talk, talk about this, and it reminded me of what he said during that time period three weeks ago. And Nico said, quote, I don't think winning is something that you just happen upon. It's something that you've done before in big situations, dealing with other people and building relationships with other people and then knowing that it's possible, end quote. This is one of the steps. This is one of the uh, processes to, that you take upon as a team to grow. And I, 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 do, I do value that. I think you look at someone like Hayden Wisniewski, right? And you look at someone like Adbert Alzali and even Marcus Stroman and what they've gone through to change different pitch types. You look at Keegan Thompson and the three breakers that he developed. And you see, for example, Kyle Hendricks talking with Keegan Thompson about maybe developing a breaker of his own. This, these are the tangible effects of having uh, a history of winning, a history of success, because it could trickle on over to someone else's repertoire. You saw that happen with you Darvish stealing Craig Kimbrell's curveball, right? Because Kimbrell was having success. So the more people that have success, even during the season, that's not necessarily meaningful in a playoff window this season, that's still meaningful for next season and for these guys to continue their adaptation process. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, on Wilson in particular, I mean, you know, it's it's certainly a lot of uh, emotional, um, you know, tugging at the heartstrings for us for these last couple of years. Um, I would prefer to be done with that, if I'm being honest with you, Brendan. Trade deadline last year, trade deadline this year, you know, we got yeah. the kind of false start with Wilson. Now we're doing it again. Like I, you know, I, yeah. I, I don't really have the heart for this over well, this and over it. again. This is the last time it's ever going to happen, Corey, for at least the next five years. Well, unless he accepts the qualifying offer and we do it again next year. I can't do it again. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm overwhelmed with this. I'm, it's yeah. too much for me. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't want to get too much into Wilson in terms of like the the coming decision because we'll talk about that a lot and and Luke and Cody and Ryan will also talk about it um once we get there right they're they're gonna have to officially offer the qualifying offer you know which would obviously also suggest they're not going to engage in a longer contract discussion and then he has to make a decision on that um he did say, you know, in his press conference on Sunday that he is kind of at peace with this. He feels like, um, you know, he has been in this organization for a very long time and it means the world to him, but he also feels like he has earned his spot in free agency and hell yeah, dude, he has. And we've, even at the trade deadline, like you and I and, and everybody kind of debated the merit of a long-term extension for him, things like that. And we'll get into that once we get, you know, to the actual decision. Um, But I think 
for this weekend, I'm glad that he got the moments that he did, you know, the the shows of respect from the fans that he did, so many people, David Ross, etc., able to speak highly of him again. And in less of a it's still a weird environment, right? But I feel like at the trade deadline, it was like, well, this could happen in in any second now. And it just, it it has that weird kind of like, well, I don't know what to say because he might still be here, but he also might get traded in the next 30 seconds. So I don't really know. This felt more like a proper send-off if that is indeed what it is. It was cool that David Ross lifted him in the middle of an inning so that he could walk off the field, appreciate that. And, you know, look, whether you you think they should keep him long-term or not, Brendan, I don't know how you watch uh, him, you know, after they sang Go Cubs Go, everybody on the field, Wilson stayed out there. He was the last one out there to kind of bid farewell to the fans. Whatever you think they should do long-term, I don't know how you watch that. Like, my my house is just me, but there was not a dry eye in the house, uh, at least from my perspective. <laughs> I mean, he's he's one of those personalities that you'll look back on, as I do with Carlos Zambrano. Does that the hundred and ten percent effort, as he even described to himself? Those guys are rare. You don't typically see on a daily basis, a hundred and sixty-two game basis, someone go all out like Wilson. So. Whether he's going to remain on the Cubs or not, those memories persist. And the goodbyes that might seem exhaustive uh, over the last two months, they're well-deserved. And I think he'll be looked fondly upon. And ultimately, if he is extended with a qualifying offer or a longer-term contract extension, you know, these memories that he's provided over the last six years, it, it, it doesn't necessarily go away. So, you know, he deserves it. I I'm kind of exhausted doing this. Uh, yeah, but that's kind of where I am with this. But let's take a quick break here for our sponsor, PointsBet. This football season, PointsBet is bringing you a better way to bet live on games, which means before this ad is over, you can place a live same-game parlay, bet on the next drive to be a touchdown, and cash out on your live second-half over bet. With PointsBet, you have access to more live football markets than ever before. Build a perfect live same-game parlay by combining your favorite bets anytime during the game, including spreads, totals, player props, and more. Choose the outcome of the next drive and next points with PointsBet Lightning Bets. So whether you're on the move or on the couch, do it live on PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app today and sign up with code CHGO to get your first two bets risk-free up to $2,000. If you or somebody knows a gambling problem and wants to help, call 1-800-GAMBLER for crisis counseling and referral services. Our next partner has a product I've been using every day for several months. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to kickstart my day with complete nutrition and I'm not a big breakfast guy now i've been on this for what is this three four months and this does not taste super healthy it kind of has a mild tropical taste i look forward to this each morning so what actually is this stuff in just one scoop of ag1 you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins minerals whole food sourced superfoods probiotics and adaptogens to help you start your day right 
A special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all of these things. I get a noticeable boost of energy, so I take it first thing in the morning on an empty stomach. This is lifestyle-friendly, whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, gluten-free, or dairy-free. You're all good to go with AG1. You're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance for less than 3 bucks a day. It's recommended by professional athletes and has more than 7,000 five-star reviews. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash chgocubs. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash chgocubs to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. You know, Brendan, as we're having this conversation it is dawning on me that uh yeah. i i don't get to go to wrigley field for i'm sorry you know, like six months i'm sorry yeah so are you just gonna like be quiet the entire podcast the rest of the way do i have to like just go solo for the next 40 I'm minutes feeling here? a little melancholy yeah a little I mean, melancholy the the, the, the yeah. tone in your voice just like completely lowered i was voice. just thinking about it you know and it's just uh yeah it's i well and i wonder now that i live so close i wonder if that makes it worse because i have to walk by there like to go to the train or get coffee or anything gonna have very like let me in kind of vibes you know i'm sorry yeah i mean at least you get to see it you know yeah i guess that's true yeah live in the I mean, shadows you can see the, of beautiful historic wrigley field do they do they do they put the trophy in like a window it, like case? usually it's in the uh the lobby of the office on okay. waveland so you can see it when you walk by, uh-huh. right? What trophy are you talking about? I'm talking about the World Series trophy, Corey. <laughs> I was I was a little late on that because I answered the <laughs> question, bit. but <laughs> a little bit. Uh, so, so I know I just told that. you where you can see it, but what actually are you talking about, Brendan? <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, so let's. Uh, yeah, I, you know, look, I it's it's an emotional weekend for a lot of reasons, um, and we'll we'll there will be a lot more Wilson Contreras discussion. I'm sure, but I think for now we're just gonna let the let marinate the weekend that was and uh, the ovations and the love that was flowing from him and the fans and other members of the organization, and we'll we'll cross the you know analytical bridge of of the move to make perhaps uh, at another time. But uh, let let's look at these games real quick. Uh, do a quick run through of these box scores, and then I want to talk about some of these pitchers in particular. On Friday, a six to one Cubs win behind Brendan. Stop me if I've said it before, but another quality start from Adrian Sampson. It is Ace all Adrian Sampson. He does. It's all he does. Seven innings, three hits, one run, two walks, six strikeouts, a three point one zero ERA. 97 pitches for Adrian Sampson. Uh, just, I mean, they might as well make the Cy Young plaque for next year already. Just get it out of the way. Um, the Cubs getting their six runs in this game. Nico Horner double. Christopher Morell double. Nico Horner uh, force out brings in two runs uh, in addition to a throwing error by the Reds. And then Jan Gomes with a ground rule double gets us to six. Eric Yeoman, a scoreless inning behind Sampson and Rowan Wick a scoreless inning behind Samson, so all good on the pitching front on Friday. 
Saturday. It was a 2-1 to one Cubs win on three innings from Drew Smiley. Four hits, one run, no walks, two strikeouts. Drew reiterated uh, this weekend he would love to come back to the Chicago Cubs uh, because, as we pointed out before, Brendan, players like playing here, and they will continue to want to play here. Mm. Albert Alzali follows with three scoreless innings, no hits, no runs, no walks, and four strikeouts, Brendan. So definitely interested in your thoughts on that. We also get two scoreless from Wade Miley, two and a third scoreless from Manny Rodriguez, and one out, a third of an inning. His eighth save of the year, a strikeout for Brandon Hughes. Really, we t- I think we talked about it on the last episode, Brendan, but just a quick aside, I'm really loving this whole uh, Manny Rodriguez to Brandon Hughes thing that they've been yeah, trying I, out here. I like it. Yeah. I like it. Well, yeah, you know, the sinker up and in that Manny's throwing, the hard stuff, the slider, it's good stuff. Yeah, you go with some of the hard stuff from Manny, and then you bring in the kind of more difficult look, uh, you know, yeah. the, the more unique delivery and all the arm slot, et cetera, from Brandon Hughes. It seems, I, I couldn't hit a baseball that you threw, Brendan, but I, it seems tough, you know, to hit those guys. So I mean, it looks tough. I mean, I might be able to do it, but like, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah, man. well, th- what's funny is I'm sure you do believe that. That's the thing. <laughs> I might be able to foul off some He's of those He's not pitches. even kidding, folks. Um, yeah. Foul them off, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Cubs getting their two runs on Saturday, shockingly enough, not off of the bat of Dr. Brendan Miller here, uh, but a triple <laughs> from Nelson Velasquez, who had a very nice weekend and a the 14th home run of the season for Seiya Suzuki. Want to talk about both of those guys. They both had nice weekends. And on Sunday, the finale, uh, the person that I want to talk about first when we jump out of this, uh, Marcus Stroman finishes up his season, six innings, five hits, no runs, two walks, seven strikeouts, an inning of one-run ball from Mark Leiter Jr., another scoreless outing with three strikeouts for Rowan Wick. What a roller coaster he's been on. He looks great for several outings in a row, then terrible, then great. Who knows? Eric Yeoman, another scoreless, so a nice weekend there from him. The Cubs getting their eight runs. They scored five of them in the first inning. They they showed up, and they were ready to sweep in the Wrigley Field finale, Brendan. Ian Happ walked with the bases loaded to get things started. Nico Horner grounding into a force-out brings in number two. Fran Mil Reyes single brings in number three. And a Nelson Velasquez double brings in number four and five. Bottom of the fourth, Nico Horner with a sack fly. And then in the bottom of the seventh, it was a triple from Nelson Velasquez to bring in the final two. Again, eight to one the final. The Cubs sweep the Cincinnati Reds. But Brendan, I want to talk about Marcus Stroman. This will be his last outing of the year, of course, with only three games left to go. In his final 16 outings of the season, dating back to the beginning of July, a 2.56 ERA for Marcus Stroman. We've talked about him a lot, but I feel like now that the book is closed, right, this this was a really good season for Marcus Stroman. And you can't always throw away the bad ones or you know you have to look at the full context but the full the 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 storyline for me is those last 16 outings a 2.56 ERA he looked phenomenal he's uh, a wizard on defense off the mound uh but for the the majority of this year he looked exactly like the person you paid him to be yeah well that's what you're paying him to be as you said i mean for almost $24 million per year, you're expecting a pitcher that's about two and a half wins above replacement. And scaling Stroman's value this year, 
basically supersede like he went above those expectations uh even with only 140 innings he was still worth almost two war Corey. so he was right there the covid uh set him back a little bit the the unorthodox ramp up here not to make excuses but it stole innings away and to finish strong in their last 16 starts despite those misfortunate starting points of the season it is huge and he's doing this in a way that resembles what he's been doing for the past couple of years heavy slider usage heavy sinker usage showcasing the splitter exceptionally well throwing cutters showing his dynamic pitch repertoire showing his dynamic defense out there and he's a guy that is going to be in your rotation, your anchor in your rotation that can uh, hand the ball off from like an ace top shelf pitcher down to your number three pitcher uh, with no problem whatsoever. So th- this is this is huge. I think maybe it's taken for granted, Corey, because if Stroman was not this guy, let's say like Stroman had you know a more serious shoulder injury, the likes of Kyle Hendricks' experience, this would be a different conversation. Like this rotation and the depth and the projectability would be so much different if Stroman did not succeed in the second half the way he did. So I think it's it needs to be a point of emphasis and just keep reminding, I keep reminding myself just how important this, this actually was. Yeah, and I mean, I think that goes to the conversation we kind of had at the beginning about like, them winning and guys playing well being important right like and you mentioned that at the time like you know if what if, what if he had been bad right like I mean, yeah this matters the of, the yeah, of course it does right like Big now time. you're looking at this going okay like I you know how they exactly decide to address that we'll see but like this Marcus Stroman the Marcus Stroman that we've seen for the last three plus months here like he's a uh, you know in in this context, I would give him the ball in game one in a playoff series. But if you can yeah. build a rotation where you're giving him the ball in game two, like giddy up, right? Like he's right. been great. Right. Well, he, he's doing this too with that sinker usage. I, I give the Cubs credit for trying to change things with him to bring up more value early on. But back in April, May, and June, he was throwing his sinker around 25 to 30 percent of the time so almost once every three to four pitches and then recently he's been throwing a sinker once every other pitch which is a substantial uptick and it's being thrown instead of his four seam which clearly the cubs wanted to try to maximize so now that four seam is being used the least amount of time compared to a sinker followed by a slider then his cutter than his splitter. He still throws a, a four seam maybe like, you know, three to five times a game, but it's definitely not one of his one of his main pitch types. So this success is stable. The health looks right there. The velocity's clearly there. He's feeling himself. He looks like the typical guy that you've seen in years past. And this value, Corey, that he provides is worth 25 to 30 million dollars so if you want to play that super dark game if he did not turn around this season if he didn't come back from that shoulder injury successfully you have to fill his spot with 25 to 30 million dollars to replace that value that is an enormous liability for your capabilities to go out and try to improve the top shelf of your rotation. So this is really, really important. 
Yeah, absolutely. I'm very excited to see what he can do. And I've mentioned this before, but he's one of those guys who I really, really want to see when this team is competitive, right? And you talk about energy, man. Right. Uh, yeah, we just have series. not. He, he, it feels, I mean, any season where, you know, you're pitching and you're not making the playoffs, it's sort of wasted in a sense. But he in particular feels wasted on a team that is not competitive, right? Like I, I want him out there when the games mean the most. I want him, you know, talking his smack on Twitter when the games mean the most. Like you just feel, I, I feel like whatever Marcus's version of Jake Arietta telling that guy that, you oh know, n- it doesn't matter, it right? It doesn't matter. I want that from Marcus Stroman because we're going to get it if the Cubs are good, right? And I think it's going to be chef's kiss, delicious. I mean, speaking of not wasting, you know, value, there's one guy in Los Angeles and Anaheim, you know, Shohei Otani, he's kind of being wasted, you know, help him out too. Bring him on over. You would be interested in that? I I think I would. Uh, I got to think about it a little bit deeper, Corey, but I think I would. Okay. No, I mean, that's that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a hot take, but... I know. I, I I like Shohei Otani. I know. Kind of uh, hot dickish. Right. So, I, you know, look, I don't have anything else to say about Adrian Sampson, right? Like, we've talked about that. Uh, incredible run here, though. I, I want to get your thoughts more specifically on Edward Alzali and the outing that he had the yeah. other day, especially no walks and the four strikeouts. Yeah, that felt like the, the, the best we've seen of him so far. Yeah. So I want to hear your thoughts on that. Um, but, yeah, just parting thoughts on... Adrian Sampson. I mean, just what an incredible run. I mean, it it sort of started as a joke after like the first three or four, where it's like, oh, another quality start from Adrian Sampson, and it's like now, so like we, as I'm watching these games, yeah, like you watch these games, and it's like, oh, look, he's doing it again, right? Like, oh, they have one run, and it's the sixth or seventh inning. Like he's literally just going to yeah. keep doing this. Yeah, that's the benefit about pitching towards the edges. We've seen it with Alec Mills in the past. We're seeing it with. Samson, we've seen it with Assad during several starts this season, and that's to the Cubs coaches and the strategies credit, Corey. And you you give this team a better defense next year, and you can imagine that those types of outings could continue. It's never comfortable to rely on heavy contact pitchers like those guys, but if those are your depth pieces, if Samson and Assad and the, those heavy contact guys are your sixth, seventh, eighth guys, you could have a lot worse options than them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so hit me with Adbert Alzali. Throwing two different sliders, we know that. He continues to throw that slider as his dominant pitch. So on Saturday, 33 pitches, 18 of which were sliders. Uh, the actual number of like slider variation one versus slider variation two uh, kind of shifted towards slider variation two, which I guess, I, I mean, the number doesn't make sense, but he's throwing more of his slider that you typically see against right-handed batters, and that slider will be thrown around 86 to 88 miles per hour. It won't have as much vertical break. We'll have a little bit more uh, cutting action to it. Uh, it's also, again, thrown uh, 86 to 88, whereas his other slider against lefties is thrown around 81 to 84, has more vertical break. But given that he faced mostly righties against the Reds, he saw that pitch come out a little bit more often. In those 18 pitches, he induced nine swings. Six of those swings were whips. That's 
really, really encouraging to see. And then he threw 10 four seams. So that that was different. So he was typically throwing a lot of slider sinkers in the past, and he was throwing a lot of sliders in their early going with four seams, but the four seam you thought might go towards lefties more often, but in this case, you saw 10 four seams and 33 pitches, and he saw a sinker only thrown five times. So that signals maybe a shift in thinking, perhaps, in the four seam usage, but overall, you're seeing what Alzali could look like in this role, and this role of two, three, four innings, heavy, heavy slider usage. Use your best pitch, get those whiffs out, and maximize your value in a one to two lineup facing window. And I think you're hearing Tommy Hadovy really talk highly of it. You're hearing Alice Lice saying he'll do whatever is necessary. And my imagination is that by next season, he's going to be that Keegan Thompson type role that we saw early on in, in April and May. We're seeing him come in, you know, third, fourth, fourth, fifth inning, and just carry that start, that initial starting outing by whomever's pitching that day all the way towards those high high leverage late innings um, that you saw Keegan do. Yeah, I'm into it, and I'm glad that, you know, obviously he was able to work back from the injury just for that alone, but... I, you know, it it may not end up. I mean, you tell me, but it it's it's not a super significant sample that we're going to see from him. But it it doesn't feel insignificant no, either. No, 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 no. It is so the the sample size stuff. Like you're like to say, okay, Adbert's going to you know strike out fourteen guys a game. That's not stable, right? right? And to say his walk rate under one is going to continue. That's not stable either. But what is stable is the stuff that he shows. So his ability to throw quality sliders and how that stuff grades stabilizes within like, you know, 50 to 100 pitches, Corey. So that that does suggest that whatever he's been working on, it's not a fluke. That stuff is moving the way it is, not because of some like flukiness. So that that is encouraging. You can actually infer that those pitches will continue to have success success next year because they're moving differently. So that's not a small sample. Yeah, I I just mean I'm glad that he was able to get back and we were able to get, you know, not just one or two outings, right? Like he he's yeah. able to get out there, work on some stuff, show us some stuff. We'll like when we do a like, you know, when the f- season is really over and we look back at stuff in detail, uh, you know, maybe we'll figure out uh all the ins and outs of this, but I feel like they they got a a good look at a lot of people right? Especially if we're just talking to pitching staff. Like there are a lot of guys who Jed and Carter and everybody involved in putting this roster together next year can look at and at least have a decision on their hands of like, okay, does this guy fit? Does he not fit? Here's where, like, I I do feel it was productive this season in that regard, right? You have a ton of guys that are still with your organization under contract coming back and you don't have to utilize all of them right like you don't have to make it a priority that I I don't know Eric Yolman has a huge role right like that's not the point but you just you saw a lot from a lot of different guys uh, a lot of it good and it's it's always good to be able to make decisions from a place where you feel like you have some good depth there to build upon you saw a lot of those guys in big samples. You, you have confidence that Steele 
is going to be in your rotation next year. You have confidence that Keegan is going to be a significant innings getter in the form of a fifth starter or sharing that similar role that Alzali is currently in right now. And Alzali, you imagine if he's healthy, he's going to continue to get these chances as well. And you look at Samson and Assad and those back end of the of the rotation guys, and you've seen like even Jeremiah Estrada come out and Yolman, these are significant outings. And going into the season, we wanted to make the most out of these opportunities. I, I think if you're talking about like, you know, maximizing value and the likelihood of this happening, this is kind of the top end of those projections, Corey, to get so much information in a way that's actually useful, coinciding with success. You have to be ecstatic about this. Unfortunately, the early going in April, May, you lost those one-run games. You had some injuries with Kyle and Stroman. You, you were kind of tinkering with your bullpen and your starting rotation guys. It didn't work out, and they were losing tons and tons of games. But you can kind of see in the second half, once these guys get opportunities and they're stable and you learn more about them, you learn what needs to be changed, this is how you win baseball games. And so for Alzali specifically, before I talk about this for like three more hours, but with Alzali, because of last year and those 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 troubles that he went through against left-handed batters, that spurred the changes we're seeing right now. So that is useful. Even last season was useful for Alzali, even though the numbers weren't there. And in the same vein, I'm sure a lot of the pitchers we're seeing right now will be useful to use as information to adapt and get better for next season. This is a really big deal, Corey. Yeah, absolutely. So before you uh, do our last sponsor break here, I'm, I am curious, how long of an episode, like if if you put out your own episode that was just like Dr. Brendan Miller in the pitch lab, how long do you think you could talk in one sitting? And subsequently, <laughs> how long do you think people would listen for? Like, what is the threshold at which people would listen? Well, I know I lose you after like 10 minutes. So I'm not even listening like, to you right now. I, that's what I'm saying. So I, I have no idea. Like I, I could probably talk. I mean, we've done so episodes over the past five years. I can do it for at least an hour. I could probably do it for three hours, you know? Like if I, if I actually ran my three own like, models and I could do it for three hours, no doubt about that. If I ran my own like models and everything, um, and, and like actually sat down for a few hours, I could for sure do like a good three like hour a, episode, like a lecture, or like a book on tape, yeah. but you're doing it live. It is. It is. Okay. Yeah. So as we get into our number two here, uh, <laughs> it would I mean, be like a lecture. I can like uh, zoom, you know, record my screen and everything. Oh, that that'd be kind of cool. Uh, look, I'm not. I you know, I'm I'm floating the idea. That's all. I know. I'm just I, I'm, I'm just curious. About it. Yeah. Okay break here for our sponsor pins and aces pins and aces is the official golf apparel partner of chgo we love our pins and aces gear and get tons of compliments on and off the course they are a family-owned golf and apparel business they make amazing polos hats golf bags and even our favorite beer sleeve an innovative product that allows you to store seven beers right inside your golf bag and keep drinks cold the entire 18 rounds check out pinsandaces.com and use code chgo to receive 15 percent off your first order and get free shipping that's pinsandaces.com all right brendan i want to talk a little bit of offense here uh some guys obviously we've been keeping an eye on I want to talk about Seiya Suzuki. He is, of course, recently a father, so he's got that dad energy flowing through him now. One for four on Friday, one for three on Saturday. 
and then on Sunday in the finale, two for four uh, with a walk. And of course, he had the game-winning home run on Saturday. Uh, Seiya Suzuki said this over the weekend. Numbers-wise, I feel like I'm not satisfied. I feel like I can do a little better. But I think the most important thing is I'm getting used to life here, and that's going to be a huge benefit for me next year and baseball-wise too. I'm excited for what I can do next. Brendan, you know why I'm excited for what he can do next? Hmm. Because as a rookie in Major League Baseball, when he's saying he's not satisfied, he's got yeah. a 342 weighted on base average and a 121 WRC plus. So if yeah. there is another gear for say a Suzuki, sign me up for it. You see the potential that the gear is not a stretch of the imagination. The home run he hit, Corey on Saturday was a 95 mile per hour fastball or running fastball in on his hands that he turned on. That is the epitome of a high-end bat-to-ball hitter, someone with a ton of power as, as well. Just a matter of him getting that consistent timing down. We've seen him, seen him tinker with the different foot uh, strides, the leg kicks. We saw in that particular instance, he had more of a faster leg stride, but you see just the ability when he does barrel up and when he feels comfortable with his timing, that's what translates. Corey, he has above league average contact, but his strikeout rate is below league average. So that means over time, you imagine once he gets more comfortable and he's not satisfied, as he said, once these numbers start to actually normalize a little bit, you know, 342 Woba, you can see adding an extra five extra base hits, uh, you know, maybe a couple extra home runs, couple extra base hits. You're looking around a WRC plus of 130 plus, Corey. This uh, this, this season for Saya, you can maybe make the argument that of all the offensive guys, like even including Nico, Corey, from just an offensive standpoint, that Saya's season was the most significant of of the bunch because you have money committed to him right now and in the same way you talk about Stroman and him having success being so important for the payroll and projecting guys similar conversation with Saya you're paying them and you're seeing instantly him be well above league average with the recency of him being successful due to adjustments that could carry over into next year. Like Stroman, this is really, really important for this team next season. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, I do think we end up seeing a little more power. He certainly uh, had more power in Japan. So I, I think, you know, transitioning over, I think you, you see a bump there in the future. I also think, you know, you look at right now, he's uh, at about a little over two wins above replacement, right? I think his defense will be a lot better and more consistent next year. We talked about this maybe an episode or two ago, but you know, it's it's a different it's a different league. You've got different balls, very different stadiums, right? And Wrigley Field in particular is not an easy place to play the outfield. You've got brick walls covered in ivy, right? And then in you know right field, you've got the alley down the line. You've got the the stands kind of jutting on that diagonal right along the foul line. Like it's not an easy place to play. Right? You've got extreme winds all the time. 
I, I think he'll get, he's looked more comfortable with that, right? He had a, a really great play, um, I think, in that Philly series. He's looked more comfortable, and I think over the course of the full year next year, he'll be more comfortable the entire time. He'll have he'll be more settled here in general, just in life, and and also have a you know a full year of, of big league experience and roaming around in Wrigley Field under his belt. So I like as I said, I you know he's excited for what he can do next. So am I, because like this. You've got three games left, but to me, this is like a massive success for a a rookie season. Yeah, with with the defense right now, he's rating in the twelfth percentile for outfield jump and outs above average. the The transition from playing mostly in a dome uh, without wind conditions, without uh, sunlight, and then going similarly to night games in different environments and i imagine it's difficult to adjust to like you can imagine if you're not getting the consistent repetition over and over and over again in these outdoor environments naturally you're not going to pick the ball up like as well as you typically would in an indoor environment that that would be my guess uh we you know we never really heard about this for other outfielders coming from mostly like a dome type playing setting so i am curious what other folks would say about this but you you see in some instances to say is just not getting a good read off the bat but when he does get a good read he gets there the athleticism is obviously there like his sprint speed is in the 80th percentile and his arm is also pretty good so for me it's just a matter of repetition 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 and perhaps having this off season with no lockout you can actually train with like cubs coaches and actually improve in a way that's useful especially maybe in the wrigley environment and replicating that this off season so i do expect him to increase his defensive value as well I, I, I suppose we can finish the say a portion of the discussion. Then I just want to, you know, note one thing on, on Nelson Velasquez, and then we can preview this uh, upcoming and final series. The last Brendan. one. Look at that. Uh, but, you know, boy, like, I mean, I think this one should get you a little a little worked up, uh, you, Brendan, specifically, and anyone listening. Saya said, quote, personal statistics are important, but for me, I think the most important thing is winning. When you win, the atmosphere in the locker room is amazing. That's what I want to feel next year. I want to win win with this team and win a championship let's ride brendan it's october 2nd i'm ready to go go. (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna have to dial that back because they (laughs) you know only have three games left but say a say a wants to win a championship let's go boys we got a championship to win you're like you're kind of swinging on the highs and lows this podcast you know 30 minutes ago you're 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 crying over wrigley being the last time you have to go to this year uh so you know we got the ebbs and flows with you this i think it's emblematic of me as a person i'm all over the place maybe it is maybe it is um okay so let's oh wait sorry uh one one thing i did just want to note you know again oh nelson yeah yeah, yeah. we talked last episode you know he he didn't really get uh, a full-time shot uh, and in the shot that he did, you know, it, it wasn't as successful, obviously, as you'd like it to be. He did have a nice weekend, though, this weekend. He had uh, the triple on Saturday going one for two, and then on Sunday, uh, two for three, four RBIs, also a walk. He had another triple, um, a double. So a nice weekend for him. Yeah, you know, for all these guys, yeah, I, I think Jed 
kind of knows what he's got. They they kind of have seen the deal, at least at this point. But, you know, certainly for, for young guys like Velasquez, if you can make the most of these final opportunities, however few they may be, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, right? You might as well yeah. end on a high note, show a little bit of what you got. Well, you talk about vibes. When he's doing well, Nelson, him and Morell and Fran Mill, the trio of those guys, yeah. immaculate. Did you so. see the thing on Friday that Fran Mill put in the dugout? <laughs> yeah, Fran Mill area only. Yeah, no Morell or Velasquez <laughs> specifically. That. that was great. I, I, I do I, I do love those vibes, right? Like whether we see yeah. all three of those guys back. But I hope we do. Yeah, the, we do. the gifts of them. Uh, you know, jumping up and down on the home runs like that. Yeah. That is the stuff that y- you want. You want to see fun. that. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Corey, this is it. The last series preview of the season. This is what our seventh season. Yeah, seven seven years doing this. So, uh, wow. All right. So and now we're both here old we go. Men. I in our thirties, yeah. Corey. What ha- what happened Ugh. to us? Ah, all right. Well, back on the low of this podcast. Um, where are we? So Monday, Cubs in Cincinnati, five forty p.m. start time. We have Hayden Wisniewski pitching again for the Cubs this season. Overall record is three and one, a two point three ERA. He'll be facing Hunter Green for Cincinnati. He's four and thirteen with a four point six ERA. Then on Tuesday we have. Cincinnati Sesa pitching, who's four and four with a four point seven six ERA. Assad for the Cubs, two and two, a three point six two ERA. Same start time at five forty p.m. Wednesday, we have Cincinnati's Ashcraft out there, who is five and five, a four point five two ERA. And then to finish off the season for the Cubs will be none other than Adrian Sampson, looking to add to his quality start wow. tallies. This I know this season. He's four and five, the three point one ERA. He's been really good in the second half. Again, worth over one win above replacement. So, a fitting ending to the season with Samson closing it out. And what I'm looking for is just savoring these next three games. These, uh, I, I hate it. I hate the last game of the season, Corey. Just like entering the middle part of October, no Cubs baseball, knowing you have to wait like yeah. five more months. It, it sucks. So I'll be not looking for anything this series. I'll just be savoring this. Uh, I want to see more Nico base hits. I want like I want to see that weight on base average above 320. You know, I'm a big like numbers guy like that. Are I want to see him go above a little bit. Oh. I, wanna, I want to see him go above 320. So if he can do that, then, you know, I'll be ecstatic. If not, you know, still a success and uh, still above league average offensively. But 320 above Nico, that's the goal for the series. We have to transition into hate watching. I was at Murphy's Bleachers on Friday afternoon with our guy Cody Del Mendo and I was explaining to him how much I do in a sick way enjoy hate watching my enemies lose in the playoffs oh I love it and I I have a long list of enemies in the playoffs so yeah I mean mostly everyone pretty much everybody is my enemy um but yeah so I'm I in a sick way I do kind of look forward to that I'd rather be watching the Cubs in the playoffs but I get a a uh, weird amount of enjoyment about watching. I mean, hold on. This ima- imagine like those camera shots of Pujols and Yachty sad in the oh, dugout. I'm interested. You know, the, the, those sad, those sad. Yes. Cardinal fan shots as well. That's going to be amazing. Right. Oh, I'm into that. Let's go. Yes. Okay. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> uh, you know, in this series, yeah, nothing. I mean, no, nothing. Nobody's changing anybody's mind on anything in in three games. Um, just want everybody to finish healthy. And, you know, kind of like we just talked about with Nelson, right? Like, you know, 
finish on a high note. There, there's a lot of guys who I think we've really seen a lot and we've come to the conclusion of like, okay, yeah, great. This is great. This went great. This year was a success and we're moving on to next year. You know, there are some guys where we're not sure, right? But hopefully yeah. they can at least have a good series, uh, finish things strong. So many guys in the bullpen that we've seen, right, would love for this pitching staff uh, as a whole. Obviously, the rotation has been great in the second half, but the pitching staff as a whole to finish off this series with, uh, another, you know, another nice string of games. Like this weekend, they allow one run in three straight games keep that going, right? Like, you just love that. It looks aesthetically pleasing, and you you dig into it, and you just look through the box score of the starter, all these relievers just coming in, succeeding, doing their job, and, like, finishing on a high note. It's just what you want to see. But, yeah, I'm with you, Brendan. Like, this is, uh, we've got another month of of baseball, but it's not our baseball, right? So, uh, we've got three more games left of Pat Hughes, which is another thing that I just said out loud that I... What are you doing I wasn't to thinking about just stop that before. This I said that I, live. I, I could, like, sense you this is, just, like, kind of going into a deep yeah, darkness. Yeah, this is court. one where, like, that might have been a good time for us to have been, like, me to be in studio or something. Because that, I really, like, I bet my face changed. I wasn't thinking about that as I said it. And then I said it, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, oh, yes, that makes me miserable. Right. Okay. Right. Cool. Go. Glad I realized that. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's our it's our last Cubs baseball. So stop it. Um, uh. That's what you got. So yeah, it's been a weird year, but uh, all in all, I would probably rather spend my time watching the Cubs lose than not watching the Cubs at all. Right? No, I, I love it. So yeah. that's that's how we are. I assume if you're at fifty nine minutes into listening to Brendan and I here on a Monday morning for you. Uh, you probably feel the same, right? We're all sick and twisted and depraved um, in one way oh, or no. another. But I think that's what we have for you. Uh, I'm going to go try and savor the last Wrigley Field hot dog that I had earlier this afternoon, see if I can dream the taste, you know, and just, just live in that for a little while. But other than that, that is what we have for you. We've got three games left. Brendan and I, of course, will be back with you uh, to break down the final series with the Reds and then, you know, ultimately, like, move into our full season thoughts and report cards and all of that, however we want to do that. Of course, don't miss uh, your final pre- and post-games of the year with Luke and Cody and Ryan live on YouTube. We appreciate your support of CHGO and, of course, the CHGO Cubs podcast. Don't forget to use that code CHGO when you sign up at PointsBet. It is the best way to support everything we are doing. That's all we have. Uh, Another sweep for these second-half Cubs. David Ross's boys don't quit. We'll talk to you again after the Cubs and Reds finish up uh, not just their series but their season. Uh, Thank you for listening to Brendan and I. Talk to you again soon, and as always, go Cubs.